There it is. That is the bell to round number eight, fight number three, Pacific Coast Boxing. Here we go, folks. Punches and bunches, shoe shines in the corner, hot sauce to the ribs, ranchos al hígado, when in doubt, stick it out. Duro, duro, duro. Pacific Coast Boxing, Alfonso Ruiz here with Rick Prado. Rick, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, man? Just ready to talk about uh, last week's exciting uh, fights. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we had the Ortiz hooker that highlighted that particular weekend. This is round eight, Rick. I'm going to go ahead and stay on the legend, one of the four kings that left us way too soon, Marvin Hagler, an eight-round TKO that he had in 1978 over um, a very obscure opponent, right? I doubt Mm -hmm. you or most people would know him. His name was Doug Demings, okay? There wasn't even a championship on the line. What made this fight interesting for me, though, Rick, is guess where this fight took place, Rick? Uh, where, did, where did it take place? Locally, in our backyard, or in my backyard, I should say. You're, you're from San Diego. This was at the Olympic Auditorium in L.A., man. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been... I would have loved, yeah, I would have loved to have gone gone and watched, you know, Marvelous Marvin Hagler. And in looking at his whole career, you know, kind of looking him up in boxing rec, mm-hmm. that was his only appearance at the Olympic Auditorium in L.A. Isn't that oh, crazy? Wow. 19, yeah. n- that was in uh, 1978. Crazy, oh, wow. right? And so there you go. There is our round eight knockout. Um, interesting, by the way, on that card, a lot of known fighters, at least for me, known fighters. Um, he wasn't even the uh, the main event. The main event was Bruce Curry and Monroe Brooks for the NABF super lightweight title. Yeah. But also on the card, Roger Stafford, who was a uh, super welterweight, welterweight, well-known fighter, and Randall Tex Cobb, Rick. I don't know if you remember Randall Tex Cobb. It, it does sound familiar. Yeah, he was infamous for just being a real tough guy. He even came out of a movie. He came out in one of the uh, one of the Cannonball Run movies. Yeah, but this is a guy that fought everybody that was known for his toughness. Right, forty two and seven fought everybody, and when I mean everybody, I mean everybody. Larry Holmes, um, Michael Dynamite, Dokes, Ken Norton, Ernie Shavers, you name it. You know. Yeah. But yeah, but looking at that card, um, what a card that would have been to have attended, man, with Marvin Hagler, Roger Stafford, Randall Tex Cobb at the Olympic Auditorium, man. Yeah, no, um, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. And, uh, you know, Hagler fought uh, March 4th of 78. You know, this fight, that, uh, the Doug Demings fight, yeah. April April 7th. Yeah. He fought again May 13th. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, and there was, um, well, well, we'll get to some of that later with a little bit of the Canelo news, but all right, folks, but let me set up what we're going to talk about today. So we've got um, all of the aftermath of the Virgil Ortiz Jr., of course, and Maurice Hooker, right? Mm-hmm. Great fight, okay? Um, very. I mean, we, we, we learned a lot of things, and we're going to talk about that and, you know, what happens next, um, specifically for Virgil Ortiz Jr., uh, we got a couple good fight cards coming up this week, right? We got Amanda Serrano fighting uh, mm-hmm. in Puerto Rico, so that'll be interesting. Um, we got Ryan Garcia on the cover of Ring Magazine, Rick. How did that happen? Yeah, well, you know, it, it helps when your promoter owns uh-huh. the magazine. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? So I get it, right? Ryan Garcia, the eight and a half million followers, and by the way, the Ring Magazine. Seemingly gets published like three months before you actually get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. In other words, like we'll get today, like we'll get the May edition mm-hmm. of of the Ring magazine. It's odd how it works, right? 
But regardless of the timing and how it works, you mean to tell me that, you know, an Oscar Valdez, like you were saying, wouldn't be more worthy of a cover? Yeah. Right? Or what about putting Estrada um, and Chocolatito on the cover for their upcoming mega fight, which clearly they would have had time, right? Yeah. But that's why, by the way, right, if you you read, you know, any sort of publications and you listen to boxing, the ring – uh, magazine and the ring championship, it used to mean more because it was really considered a very subjective, unbiased, not anymore, Rick. Yeah, no. Um, when did Rang Garcia fight? The beginning of January. Yeah, January 2nd. Yeah, so it's it's been, you know, right. three months right. you know, since then. Right. Um, and we've had a couple super fights in between. Yeah, and, and, I, and I was just thinking about it, like, have we seen Terrence Crawford on the cover of a ring magazine? No, no, but... But then again, you know, he's all over ESPN. No, I know, yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying that that and that's why by the way, again, the ring belt mm-hmm. used to be, don't get me wrong, it's still important to fighters, yeah. but it used to be a coveted belt. Yeah. Because of what it meant and the fact that it was completely unbiased down the middle. Anyways, so you got him on the on the cover of uh of Ring Magazine. I thought that was interesting. Um by the way, speaking of the Ring Magazine, if okay, I still read it, you know, from cover to cover. Um, and I don't know, maybe it was just the timing, but there's a book that just came out called The Super Fight, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard and Marvin Hagler. Okay. Um, I'm going to get it, but they give you like a little bit of taste about what it was. And it's kind of interesting that there was a dinner that took place in, I think it was in 1986. I think it was a year before Leonard and Hagler fought. Or was it in 80? They fought in what, in 89 or in 87? Um, e- either way, so Leonard had, Le- Leonard had a, a dinner. And he invited, um, it was in 87, yeah, that they fought. Yeah. yeah. And so Leonard apparently had a dinner that he hosted, and he invited Hagler. And he said that's where he started kind of getting some intel mm-hmm. about Marvin Hagler, right? And about how Hagler wasn't as disciplined, and Hagler told him the old, you know, it's hard to get up and do road work at 5 a.m. when you're sleeping in silk sheets. Mm-hmm. And according to Sugar Ray Leonard, is that's when, that's what started to plant the seed for Leonard to say, you know what, I think I can beat this guy. Yeah. Right. And so I got to be honest with you, like reading that, it makes me more like now I have to watch the fight over again. Yeah. To see if I still have Ray Leonard <laughs> on top on top of Marvin yeah. Hagler, man. I didn't like that. I didn't like the sneakiness of Sugar Ray hosting the dinner really only to get intel about where Marvin, uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagler was. Yeah. And, you know, I, I watched the uh, Legendary Knights this past week. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ray Leonard and, um, Marvin Hagler, yeah, um, and I just remember Richard Steele, yeah, you know, who was who was the referee for that, yeah. You know, he kept saying every time I rewatch it, yeah, the fight gets closer and closer. No, no kidding, that's yeah. what Richard Steele says. Yeah, yeah, he's right. He's yeah. right. By the way, again, we've we've determined that I'm the subject matter expert in the fight, right? I think I've watched it nine times, right? Mm-hmm. Sound muted, so it's just just me, right? Yeah. And and I've I, I still always have it to Leonard, but now I got to watch it again. Yeah. Knowing what I know now. Um, here's another thing, Rick. I got to do um, – I got an opportunity to sit in on a business mixer this past Friday with yeah. none other than Antonio Tarver. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, pretty interesting. You know, I got, to, I got to go on there and I had to show my face on camera mm-hmm. and I got to ask a question, you know. Um, gave him the information about the 96 Olympics, right, yeah. with him, uh, Mayweather Jr., Fernando Vargas, David Reed. A very uh, unsung uh, Olympic team, right? Yeah. 
talk about the 92 team, right? It's the 76 team with Leonard and Spinks, right? That was a heck of a team as well. But um, pretty cool experience, man. Yeah, no, I definitely, uh, you know, he had some big fights. You know, him and uh, his Roy Jones fights, uh, he, he was the first one. Uh, after he fought Roy Jones, it was kind of a big slide for Roy Jones. After he ended. That. He pretty yeah. much he ended Roy Jones's really. He didn't end his career, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Roy Jones is still fighting, but he ended his career, which at the time was Roy Jones, rightfully so, the pound for pound best fighter on the planet. Yeah, right. He was that guy that did that. But pretty interesting to and and I mean it to listen to his story. And, you know, just this just come out of the, the, the emotional, the mental health and some of the issues that he's had to overcome and how he was not given opportunities to fight for the heavyweight championship. But it was I got to be honest with you. It was a very serendipitous, Rick. I, yeah. I, I wasn't ex- I didn't know what to expect uh-huh. of this business mixer. I really didn't know. And it exceeded my expectations. Yeah. And just to get a chance to talk to the guy and ask him a question was pretty cool. He was actually having dinner uh, like at a Japanese restaurant. <laughs> yeah. So doing, while, while doing this? Yeah, so we even got to hear, you know, what he was ordering and all yeah. that stuff. So it's pretty cool. All right, folks, coming up on the other side here, we're going to be breaking down the Virgil Ortiz Jr. and Maurice Hooker fight. Boy, do we have some feedback mm-hmm. and our particular opinions on the fight. Did it blemish Virgil Ortiz Jr., right? Did it solidify Ryan Garcia now as the true best fighter in Oscar De La Hoya's stable, Rick? We'll see. We'll find out. Yeah. We'll find out. We'll be right back, folks. Pacific Coast Boxing. Pacific Coast Boxing. Alfonso Ruiz and Rick Prado are back. And all right, Rick, let's talk about really the biggest and best fight that took place over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And that was Virgil Ortiz Jr., Seventh round, I guess you call it a KO, right? Yeah. He didn't get up. It was technically a KO against Maurice Mighty Mo Hooker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, really, it was one of those fights, right, where it may have ended in the seventh round, but it certainly felt like it was more competitive than just a mere, you know, seven round TKO. Yeah. Virgil Ortiz was touched up. Um, I haven't looked at. I should look at the official scorecards. I'm sure maybe you've I, got them. I've, I've, I've got them up right here. How many rounds uh, did they give? Um, because I had at least one or two rounds to Maurice Hooker. Well, Ellis Johnson, yeah, uh, scored all six rounds for Virgil Ortiz. Um, Jesse Reyes, yeah, uh, had it five one uh, after six. And um, the same Jesse Reyes from last week's contra- the controversial fight with the Strada and Chocolatito, probably. Yeah, it has could, to could be. be. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he had it five one, five one. Yeah, and then uh, Mark uh, Calloy. Yeah, had it uh, four rounds to two. Yeah, see, so that's yeah. that's more like it, yeah. right? And so that's why, right? The fight seemed again it was a win for Ortiz, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the typical win that we're used to seeing him when he was really thrashing opponents, right? Yeah. I mean, this guy was coming in, um, you know, knocking out, right? Obviously, everybody. He's 17-0 and with uh, with 17 knockouts now, yeah. right? And so, you know, Samuel Vargas, Brad Solomon, Antonio Roscoe, Mauricio Herrera, knocking guys out that had never been knocked out before, mm-hmm. right? And not only was, was Virgil Ortiz Jr. knocking these guys out, Rick, but they weren't, they weren't even competitive. Yeah, no. 
right? It was the you could see the momentum building. He's got that shotgun jab and that very you know straight ahead kind of bob and weave style. Yeah. Okay. But in this particular fight, okay, he was doing the same thing. But I'll tell you, Rick, um, with some with some really good boxing, Maurice Hooker. Obviously, you could you know by the look on the on Virgil Ortiz's face, which got touched up, right? Yeah. And like you just said, I had yeah, I did. I had um, Hooker winning at least two rounds. I you know I bet those are the first two rounds that you know that Virgil Ortiz has lost probably in the last ten fights. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? No, yeah, um, definitely. He he was definitely getting hit a lot more. Um, I think during the fight, I was texting you. And I said, yeah, you know, they, he's getting hit um, a lot. Yeah, um, you know, Maurice Hooker, you know, is, is he's a good fighter. Um, this was kind of going to be the test, you know, if, yeah. if, if he was going to blow out Maurice Hooker, you know, then yeah, yeah. maybe he's ready for a Terrence Crawford, right. an Earl Spence, both of who were at the fight, That's you know, right. watching. Yeah. Um, who's who there? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, uh, but he was getting touched up a little bit, probably hit way too much than, than he's used to. Yeah. And, um, you know, he did get the win and, you know, it was a great win. Maurice Hooker's a, you know, great fighter. This. He still hasn't been to the eighth round. Yeah. You know. And and I'll, I'll say one thing, right? I don't know if Maurice Hooker's a great fighter, right? Yeah. So he was definitely a champion. It definitely was a step yeah. up. Doesn't matter that this was um, Maurice Hooker's first fight at 147, mm-hmm. right? He won the championship against Terry Flanagan, okay? Now, he did have yeah. to go to Manchester, you know, to, to win that championship. But um, Maurice Hooker, you know, not exactly a resume, right? That mm-hmm. you would look at and say, "Geez, this guy fights, you know, fights everybody, right?" Yeah. Um. You know, he loses to Jose. You know, obviously Ramirez at 140, but I would say definitely a big step up. This yeah. guy's definitely world class, right? There's, there's no doubt about it. Um. This Rick, by the way, this is what makes the performances by Oscar Valdez and Teofimo Lopez even more impressive. Yeah. They were both fighting big step-up fights, right? Yeah. Teofimo Lopez probably more that so than Oscar Valdez. But either way, now you and I had it, you know, we felt Teofimo Lopez was going to thrash Lomachenko, but a lot of yeah. people didn't, uh-huh. right? A lot of people thought that Teofimo Lopez was um, was in over his head, fighting him too early. A lot of people, including us, with Valdez, thought that's a very ill-advised fight, right? Yeah. But both of those guys with virtuoso performances, right? They came out of that fight and they dominated. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I don't care what anybody says, especially Andre Ward. Teofimo Lopez thoroughly dominated Lomachenko, and obviously so did Valdez, right? Yeah. And the, why those were virtuoso performances, Rick, is normally when you step up in class that much, you end up winning, but you win ugly. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what this was. Right, and so it's no shot against Virgil Ortiz Jr. He stepped up in competition. He didn't do what he normally did to you know a yeah. lower class, and that's what happened. Yeah, right. It just makes those type of performances, in my opinion, more impressive uh-huh. because of what those two guys did. So I think that it's because of that that people are looking and saying, "Well, geez, you know, is he ready?" Here's the thing: I'm not going to go as far, Rick, in saying that Virgil Ortiz Jr. was exposed, right? Uh-huh. Because that wouldn't be fair, right? Yeah, no, no. He wasn't exposed, but here's what happened, Rick. But we saw some vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the defense wasn't quite there. Um, you know, both eyes, you know, uh, there, there was a lot of markings, you know, around yeah. uh, on his face. Right. And, and that's exactly right. So we saw some, you know, 
I don't even know if we saw some chinks in the armor. Mm-hmm. I think all we saw was some opportunities, right? Yeah. That And this is why you take these kind of fights, right? Because you're not able to see that, right? You're not able to see these opportunities when you're fighting, you know, these, you know, the Robert Ortiz's, the Maurice Herrera's. And yeah, Maurice Herrera's a tough fighter. He probably did beat Danny Garcia in Puerto Rico, by the way. <laughs> but, you know, but you're not going to see, right? You're not going to identify these opportunities until you are um, up against, you know, higher world-class fighters. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example, by the way, a baseball example. I was watching the Padres and Dodgers this weekend, uh-huh. and the Padres have this 19-year-old high school phenom, phenom that was uh, that they put in the game from high school, man. Yeah. And he was in there against uh, Mayday, you know? And May struck him out, and he made him look bad, right? But that's how you know, Right. That's how you know in a hitter in baseball, like, geez, you know what? I've got to work on hitting that curveball, or mm-hmm. you know, maybe my swing is gonna not gonna cut it right at the major league level. Yeah. And it's the same thing for Virgil Ortiz. That maybe that straight ahead, shotgun jab, bobbing, weaving, you know, hunting the guy down, that may not work against the Crawfords or the Spence, right? Yeah. No, yeah, and I was a little, um, you know, worried. Um, I, I don't think he's ready for a, a Terrence Crawford. You know, yeah. he says he's ready, and you know, ready or not, that's the fight he wants. Um, I don't know if Golden Boy puts him in that fight yet. You know, yeah. he, he may be. Um, my thought process is, yeah, give him a couple more fights. Yeah, you know, then he probably be ready. But you know, the issue is, you may not get that fight. After two fights, yeah, I liked his response by the way, and and he's a good kid by the way. Hilarious yeah. when he was trying to talk Spanish afterwards, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. He's telling everybody, "I'm trying to t- I'm trying to learn Spanish so that I can connect uh-huh. with everybody." And then all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> it just here comes the f bomb. Well, right? that was the first f- first of uh, <laughs> two f bombs for the night. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I missed the other one. He had another f bomb. Oh, it wasn't his. It was uh, Maurice Hooker. <laughs> right, you know, right, right. Oh, yeah, f, f- y'all. And that was wrong too, right? Yeah. I'm sorry. And you know, you talk about yeah. I, I'm sorry, man. You know, <laughs> yeah. Total classless. No reason yeah. for that. You know, they're fans. They come to you know. They, but okay, mm-hmm. that's a whole nother deal. But I love this response to that question, right? Are you ready? It doesn't matter if he's ready. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? You never know you're until you're ready until you're actually in there. Was mm-hmm. Teofimo ready to fight Lomachenko? Who knows? A lot yeah. of people thought it was a mistake. Remember that? A lot of yeah. people thought way too early, right? Tiafimo needs a couple more. He needs to marinate a little bit more. He thoroughly dominated him, right? Yeah. Is Valdez ready to face, uh, you know, Burchelt at the hundred at 130 pounds? Maybe Valdez needs to fight a few more quality opponents at 130 pounds. Mm-hmm. Nope, he did it and he beat him. Okay, now, you know, uh, Leo Santa Cruz, that didn't go so well, Right. So I like his answer. Here's the thing, and here's why there's a concern, Rick. Exactly what you said, right? Um, he lost one to two rounds, at least two rounds, right? Yeah. And that's to a guy, that's to a Maurice Hooker who was coming up to 147. Mm-hmm. To a Maurice Hooker who hasn't exactly fought, right, the very best at 147, yeah. okay? Now, you talk about a um, Earl Spence Jr. or a Terrence Crawford, those guys— those two rounds that Maurice Hooker won, Rick, those guys can sustain that for yeah. more than two rounds. See what I'm saying? Yeah. 
They can sustain that. That's not just two rounds. They can do that. And here's the question. Can Crawford or Spence do what Herker did for two rounds? Can they do that for seven rounds? And the, and the answer is yes. Yeah. They can do that for seven rounds, right? Now, here's the deal. Somewhere in there, though, right, there's five more rounds. Mm-hmm. And can Virgil Ortiz Jr. land, right, and wear them down yeah. and chop that tree down? So by the time he gets to the 12th round— Here's the problem, though, right? Those guys know to box. They're slick. They're world class. They'll get on their bike, and all of a sudden you're 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 walking out and you lose, you know, eight to four, yeah, seven five, seven five, still a win, yeah. That's why I think folks take a look at that and say, "Geez, I don't know," because we saw that Maurice Hooker did not have the sustainability to continue his strategy. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have the skill set to do that. But a Terrence Crawford, Spence Jr. They do have the ability to sustain that, Rick. Yeah. No, and 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 on this fight, um, I felt like Virgil Ortiz was getting a little tired. You know, there was uh in that first two rounds, you know, yeah. he he was very aggressive, he was throwing hard punches. Um, you know, I, I, I it it was almost to the point where I thought he may punch himself out. Yeah. You know, he, he yeah. was he was going for the early knockout, thought which, he could Which hit. was a mistake, yeah. by the way. Which and, was a mistake. And, and I think he got gassed. You know, the he did. the rounds that uh you know the judges gave him, and 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 you know probably we gave Hooker. Yeah, were that third and fourth round. Mm-hmm. You know, he, luckily he was able to find a second wind mm-hmm. and um, and finish off that fight. See, and and that's because against most fighters, right, he would have taken him out. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was it. That was it right there. Right, that was the you know the the final right. At a Broadway show, they all come out. We all stand up. We, we give them a standing ovation. That's what that was, the final curtain call. It doesn't happen, however, when you're fighting world-class fighters. In fact, right, Maurice Hooker got the best, right, mm-hmm. of that of that flurry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Remember when he was trying to take him out? Maurice Hooker started fighting back mm-hmm. because he's not a journeyman. This is an actual, like I said, you know, I, I don't think he's a great fighter, but he's a world-class fighter. Yeah. And so you can't do that, right? Now, that's something that he's going to have to make an adjustment, obviously, right? If you're fighting a world-class fighter, you got to be patient, right? He should have continued to jab, work the body, whatever. Um, you can't do that against a Crawford or, or, or a Spence Jr. No. Yeah. That's that. That's kind of the thing. And remember, right, this guy's getting touched up, Virgil Ortiz Jr. is, right, against um, Maurice Hooker, right, who, sure, he's got, he's got some pop, mm-hmm. right? He's got uh, what does he got? What's his knockout ratio? He's got fifty six percent, right? Uh-huh. Knockout. Well, you know, he's not as heavy handed as a natural one hundred and forty seven pounder. No, right. So not all those Terrence Crawford has been there for years. Right. So yeah. now all of a sudden, right, getting touched up as much as he is against somebody who's more heavy handed, maybe he doesn't have that same type of steam. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is this, okay. I'm not saying they have to go back to the drawing board because we're talking about a seventh round KO yeah. of a world class fighter, right? People listening to us would think like, geez, did this guy lose, right? No, he didn't lose, but I'm telling you, and he wasn't exposed. We just saw some opportunities for him to maybe move five degrees over Rick and kind of change his 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 tactical. Yeah. Maybe it was like a tactical awareness, right? Mm-hmm. That that shotgun jab, straightforward. May not work. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it uh, you know, his plan was, you know, run, go forward, 
and uh, throw hard punches. And uh, as it is every fight for him. Yeah, and and you know he was doing a lot of head hunting. Right. And um, figured I, I I can't hurt him to the head. You right. Know, I think the body shots kind of got to Hooker. Yeah. Um, oh, they absolutely. You know, did. and then you know he wore him down that way. Um, you know, I know the fans were booing. Uh, he did end up breaking his hand. Yeah. They, they did release that, uh, yeah. you know, he's going to have his hand in a cast for a month and, yeah. you know, two months before he can start uh, punching again. Yeah. But, uh, we, you know, how many times have we seen fighters continue? Right. You know, he broke his hand and, yeah. and at that point, I think he was looking for a way out. Broken I, yeah. hand or not, yeah. he was probably going to get knocked out in the next round. I'm going to tell two. you something, by the way, Rick, as we wrap up this segment, is. Some of the worst television producing yeah. and instant replays in the history of boxing. Yeah. Okay. We had better replays. I, I'm going to show my age here in the mid 70s. Yeah. Okay. The first knockout, okay. The first knockdown, I should say, it started with the body punch, Rick. Yeah. I saw it. Okay. You saw it. It was a body punch. Then Maurice Hooker backed up. Then Ortiz landed some blows to the head, and that's when he went down. Yeah. They never showed that. No. Do you remember that? Yeah. They showed it, and they're looking. There it is. Oh, there it is. It was that big punch to the head. Are they at the arena watching the fight? Yeah. Or are they more worried about that one you know, guy with Sergio Mora that we're getting drunk tonight. That guy's got no business doing boxing matches. I don't know what his name is, but I would love to run into that guy. Yeah. And just give them feedback. You know, and the other thing I was texting you about is, uh, you know, this is the main event, you know, a big yeah. fight, you know, in between rounds. We're not yeah. listening to to the corners talk to each other. They're running commercials. Yeah. I, I hate to say it, but where's HBO? Yeah. You're right, Rick. Yeah. Well, we're getting these, you know, bogus commercials and we're yeah. not hearing the cornermen. Yeah. It just... Uh, to- totally agree with you. And then that last, right, the very last knockdown... We still don't know where he got hit. Yeah. Did he get hit in the neck? Was it just the, I mean, what was it? Was yeah. it the blow to the shoulder and then his hand hurt? Did you notice that we never really got that clean angle? No. To see where exactly, what, by the way, did we get rid of the super slow-mo? Yeah. Did that technology, I think, didn't they start the super slow-mo in the, in the 90s? Uh-huh. Right? I could do super slow-mo on my iPhone. Uh, on the phone, yeah. But they can't do it at, at a you know million dollar production. Yeah. I I couldn't believe it. I'm sitting there saying, are they not going to show us the exact point where the punch landed? And am I the only one that saw the body punch that set up the first knockdown? Yeah. And then you got these bozos right that are doing the fight. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't. And I, didn't you hear before they signed off? The guy goes, "Well, we're gonna go out and get drunk." You know, <laughs> that guy's got to go, man. I love Chris Mannix, and uh-huh. I like Sergio Mora. By the way, yeah, Sergio Mora does a great job, and and Chris Mannix tells it like it is, right? Very mm-hmm. astute. But that third guy is an absolute joke. Yeah, absolute joke. And and he's and he's got to go. Maybe that's the guy I go after for my comeback. Yeah, you know, before <laughs> them, and then and then Mario Lopez. Yeah. Who knows? All right, folks. There you go. Got me fired up. You know? Yeah, it's just the whole thing, man. All right. A lot more going on, though, in the boxing world, Rick. We got some big fights coming up. We said we got Amanda Serrano, uh, some Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, three, right? Yeah. Wow, wouldn't we love to see that fight? Uh-huh. Not, right? <laughs> All right, folks. We'll be right back because if it goes boxing.
All right, Pacific Coast Boxing, Alfonso Ruiz and Rick Prado, we're back. Yeah, I'll tell you, Rick, um, I hate to say it, but, you know, I wasn't a big Jim Lampley fan. Uh-huh. But I'll take Jim Lampley any day over that clown on the broadcast with the zone with Sergio Mora and Chris Mannix. Yeah, so you're starting to miss him. Yeah, and I wasn't a big yeah. fan of him, you know, especially, yeah, when he cried uh, after the, remember when the Cotto fight? Yeah. Come on, you know, you're not supposed to yeah. get that close. I, I think we all cried after that fight. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't think so, Rick. And so here's the thing, by the way, right? So when we talk about Virgil Ortiz, you know, and I know we're going to get to the boxing news in a bit, but I just want to cover this or touch on this. We talk about, okay, so if he's not going to fight Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford, right, who uh-huh. are obviously recognized as the best welterweights, right, then we say, well, no, he's got to fight one or two. Well, who is that, right? The only one that's been talked about is WBA champ, you know, uh, Jordanius Ugas. Yeah. I mean, that would be the guy, right? To get a title, you know, um, you know, maybe even throw him in there with, uh, you know, in in, in a hypothetical, yeah. you know, universe. Yeah. You know, maybe some of these PBC fighters would fight, like a Sean Porter. Right. Um, a Keith Thurman. Yeah. Um, you know, these guys that... Uh, they're not championship level right now because yeah. it's just it, it's Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford. Yeah, but and then that's it's everybody yeah, else. But see, even there, right? Even there is a risk because I'll tell you. I mean, Keith, assuming he's healthy and back mm-hmm. to where he should be, Keith one time Thurman's no joke. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I know you're not impressed. You're not a big fan of him, yeah. but trust me, I know fighters when I see them, uh-huh. and that guy can fight. Yeah, he, but he could absolutely. If he doesn't get knocked down yeah. in the first round against against Pacquiao, he probably wins that fight. Yeah, well, you know. We haven't seen him since the Pacquiao fight. Well, he was he he was injured, Rick, yeah. and then you know COVID, and then mm-hmm. no one wants to fight. You know, neither has Pacquiao. You yeah. know, or Mikey Garcia for that matter. It's just like I said when you talk about you know, okay, so you know we got to set him up. Not you, but people say, oh, mm-hmm. he's got to. Okay, who's he going to fight? That is a that is somewhere between world class champion and journeyman gatekeeper. Yeah, he's done with the journeyman, right? He's done with the gatekeepers, yeah. isn't he? So I mean, that's the so that's why he's saying, "Well, geez, ready or not, it's like who the hell else am I gonna fight, yeah. man? Especially you know, you're not gonna get one of those PBC fighters. You're not gonna get one yeah. of the PBC fighters. So, and you know, Crawford is is a, a Bob Arum top rank guy, mm-hmm. and they generally do pretty well with De La Hoya, yeah. right? So that's why that fight is doable, and that's why they're talking about that. You take a look at some of the others on that list. So here's one. And this would not be a bad one either. Is you know what about Rashidi Ellis? Yeah, a, a golden boy fighter. He's you know, a golden but, boy uh, fighter. Not you know ranked number five by the WBA, but, but a dangerous you know. Um, but that's fighter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now here's why I wouldn't do that. By the way, yeah. I'm just throwing out there because that's almost like a poor man's version of Earl Spence and Terence Crawford. Yeah, kind of similar style. Mm-hmm. But I think you already got that in um, in Maurice Hooker. My whole point is. All right, and what am I trying to say? There's not a lot of guys out there no. that you can put this guy out there to say, "Yeah, we need to." Because here's the thing: there is the business side of it, and you got to be careful navigating this guy's career, right? Yeah. That you don't put him in against somebody who, hey, wait a minute, right? That's a sixty forty fight. He loses. Now what? Yeah, now he's got to wait in line for a championship for how long? So heck yeah, if you can get that fight with Spencer Crawford, you do it. Mm-hmm. There's a Jaron Enes, right? 
Um, my buddy Danny Garcia, right? Yeah. That's the guy I really like to see him fight because yeah. he would completely annihilate him. What What about a Josecita Lopez? Yeah, that that do that one. Yeah. I don't know why they were talking about that. Like, oh my gosh, not Josecita Lopez. <laughs> yeah. Please, you yeah. know, Mikey Garcia took care took care of him. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong though, Josecita Lopez is tough. Yeah. He's a he's a tough fighter, but but again, right? Is Josecita Lopez better than Maurice Hooker? Not really. No. I don't think so, right? No. Maurice Hooker's, so I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like the only thing Ortiz can do from this point is move up, and mm-hmm. those are the guys. Yeah. So short of that, you know, uh, you know, Sergey Lipnets, who's yeah. tough, but, you know, Omar Figueroa, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's either, the same thing. You know, the step up is, is those PBC fighters who aren't going to fight. That's it. You know, or... A Terrence Crawford, and I'll tell you what, Sean. Imagine Sean Porter and him. Yeah, be a war. I think Sean Porter is going to eventually fight Terrence Crawford. By the way, I think they're going to make that fight happen. You think so? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. But there you go, Rick. Yeah. On to the news. All right. Uh, well, we'll uh, keep going with some of the uh, results uh, from this past weekend. Uh, Sinisa Estrada looked pretty good in her uh, unanimous decision. Yeah. Um, she won the WBA 105. Pound title? Yes. So, you know, it was good to see, um, you know, her, uh, she looked impressive. You know, she was, she's a lot, she was a lot more athletic than the, uh, the champion that she, uh, beat. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I'd still like to see the, um, the rematch. Yeah. With Marlon Esparza. Yeah. You're talking about, so would I, yeah. um, you know, and, and obviously, right, no love lost between those two. Mm-hmm. Right, you heard her afterwards saying that you know Marlon Esparza was fighting at one eighteen. Yeah. I don't think that's where she fought because, well, maybe the last fight she fought at one eighteen. Before that, she fought um, uh, Selena Urbina, mm-hmm. who came on the show with us, who gave her a heck of a fight. Yeah. Um, I would love to see that fight, Rick. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, they can make that happen because that really is the next big fight. Yeah, I'll tell you what's unfortunate, by the way, is um, the Mexican fighter that Estrada beat, right? She'd been the champion since how long? I think for eight years or something like yeah. that, right? Isn't that crazy? And this is what's mm-hmm. unfortunate. If there was a male fighter, right, that had that kind of a tenure as a champion, we would know all about him. Mm-hmm. But because it's female boxing and because the weight is all the way down there, it's 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 very obscure. Yeah. But you could tell that that you know that the, the opponent she knew how to fight, right? Mm-hmm. It was just overwhelmed too much too soon. Here's another thing I learned, by the way, Rick. Um, part of the panel on Friday in that business mixer, there was um, a, a fighter from Australia. I think her name is Lulu Houghton, and she competes. I didn't know this, but the women have the very bottom. It's called the atom weight. Oh, wow. Atom weight, yeah. And I don't know it, if you know that. Well, what's what's that weight? 102 pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah, 102, because then the straw weight goes to 105, uh-huh. which is what they were fighting for. Wasn't that what they were fighting for? Um. I, I thought they said it was the minimum weight. Yeah, was, was so, one hundred five. Well, yeah, yeah. The ring has the atom weight. Atom weight. Yeah, yeah. Stride weight's one hundred five, and then junior flyweight is one hundred eight. Okay. Anyways, congratulations to Sinisa Strada yeah. out of East LA, right? Um, Sergio Mora was up there afterwards. Give her a big hug, right? Mm-hmm. They had the same trainer. That's right, yeah. same trainer. Boxing's all about footwork and putting yourself in position. Yeah. So, yeah, that was cool to see, man. Congratulations to her. I really do hope that she inspires any of them. Like, mm-hmm. I, I want to see the women's boxing just take off. But good fight for her. Hopefully we get that fight with Marlon Esparza. Yeah. 
Yeah, looking forward to that one. Yeah. Um, the other uh, fight over the weekend, um, Arthur, Arthur uh, Peter Biev. Yeah. Um, his fight over um, against uh, Adam Deans. Yep. Uh, it was a knockout in the tenth round. Yeah. So yeah, pretty impressive. You know, I think he uh, he's a really strong fighter. Yeah. Um, throws hard punches and just really durable. Yeah. Um, gets hit. Know. He gets hit though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, there, there there's holes, but. Uh, He's a, he's a big guy. Yeah, here's the thing, yeah. right? So as I'm watching that fight, I can't help but think, is this a guy that Canelo can mm-hmm. beat, right? And I'll tell you what, right? Canelo would have to pack a lunch and do something completely different yeah. because this is a big dude, right? Yeah. Now, they're talking about the next fight, uh, presumably, or they're trying to, if Joe Smith Jr. gets by his fight, right? Yeah. To try and, which would be a good fight. Joe Smith Jr., straight ahead. And by the way, I think Beater BF beats Joe Smith Jr. Yeah. I think Peter Biev is a little bit more polished, right? Whereas mm-hmm. Joe Smith, uh, although you know what, I'm not going to put anything past Joe Smith Jr. But um, good fight by Peter Biev, like you said, he's almost kind of an old school, right? Just kind mm-hmm. of a move forward, plotting, throw a lot of punches. He's in phenomenal condition, right? Yeah. He is the kind of light heavyweight. The reason why I was saying as I was watching it, I'm thinking Canelo. That Canelo's not in this guy's class at 175, man. No, you know, it, it's way too big. You know, um, Canelo's fighting these uh, these 168-pound guys, tall, lanky. Right. Um, Peter Biev is tall. And, right. But, but he's, he's, he's a built, well, you know, 175. Yeah, he's shredded. He's yeah. not going to be a Kovalev, right? Mm-hmm who's kind of plodding and just kind of right in front of him and tiring out like this guy's going to be there for 12 rounds. Yeah. Yeah, but good but yeah, impressive showing. Yes, he gets hit a lot, but that's kind of the way it is. I would can't wait to see that fight with Peter mm-hmm. Biev and Joe Smith Jr. Yeah. Um and then, you know, probably down the road, uh probably the second best uh light heavyweight is uh Bivol. Bivol, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's the fight. Yeah. That's the fight to make. Without a doubt. Um, also, um, I think it was Thursday was the, uh, the fights from, uh, Puerto Rico, yeah. the NBC, uh, telecast yeah. Yeah. and, uh, Alberto Machado was knocked out <laughs> That's your you know, guy. again in That's the, uh, in the seventh round. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. yeah, just very disappointing, man. Yeah. It, it, uh, you know, he knocked the other guy down, you know, a couple of times and, uh, he just, he seems to tire. Um, he can, he can get hit. Yeah, and uh, he he can't take a punch. Yeah, you know, it's probably uh, you know part English. You know who knows. <laughs> you know, has there ever been somebody who starts off a fight looking more impressive than Machado, but just can't close the show? Yeah, it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know it just. We saw him. We saw him uh, twice live, yeah. right? And the first fight, correct me if I'm wrong, but he had Andrew Cancio down. Yeah. And I think the first or the second round, mm-hmm. right? First Sim- round. Yeah. yeah, similar to this fight, right? And then I don't know if it's just that he fades or, like you said, he just can't take a punch. He wears down. I mean, he went out in this fight. Like, I mean, he was out. Yeah. Right? With By the way, and again, kudos to the Mexican fighter who beat him. But uh, Angel uh, Fierro. Yeah, Fierro. But this guy's Fierro's no world-class guy. No. He was... You know, flailing, throwing punches, lands this not not textbook combinations, Rick. Okay, these were not one, two, three, four. Uh-huh. He was wailing away. That left that ultimately put him away. No way that lands. Yeah, no, it 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 just uh, 
it's just very disappointing, you know. Uh, uh, high hopes for Alberto Machado, you know, yeah. and um, he just he, he can't take a punch. You know, really nice guy. We met him out there at Fantasy Springs after the first loss, and yeah. you know he was disappointed. Yeah. But uh, you know it, uh, it it seems to be a pattern. Yeah, and, and, I think this has to be it for him. Uh-huh. As far this was it, right? Yeah. I mean, he's fighting a guy that's basically a you know a journeyman mm-hmm. at best, right? Yeah. No way you get knocked out like that. No. I think that has to be it. You know, he may still show up here and there. Um, and, and, and you can't really blame the weight. Like, you know, he was yeah. at 130 before yeah. when he fought Concio, and, yeah. and he moved up. He's like, oh, you know, it's, it's tough to make that weight. You yeah. Know, I'm going to move up to 135. Yeah. And you have the heavy hitters. Yeah. Not Angel Fierro's not one of the heavy hitters. No, no. You know, and, and he took him out. Although he does have a lot of knockouts, but it yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, again, yeah, nice guy, but he's his relevance – um, it's pretty much done, right? Yeah. Similar to Felix Verdejo. Yeah, yeah. That that it, that, it just, that kind of a guy, right? Um, also on the undercard was uh, Maricela Cornejo. Yes, and um, she <laughs> lost another fight um, to yeah. uh, Alma Ibarra. Yeah, and you know this is another one. You know, yeah. she's she's gotten plenty of uh, opportunities. Um, yeah, we saw her at the uh, Dignity Sports. Um, That's right. Center. That's right. Uh, she fought. I remember uh, that. Uh, French on Cruz. Yeah. And, um, you know, she lost another, yeah. you know, very pretty girl, though. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it just, um, yeah. you know, it seems every time, you know, this wasn't even a step-up fight. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think she was a favorite in this one and ended up losing this fight as well. But it's kind of like the novelty has worn off. Yeah. Right? You know, I mean, at the end of the day, can you fight, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, obviously we're seeing that she's not. Yeah. Um. So coming up this week, uh, we have uh, Amanda Serrano. Yes. Uh, she's the WBO, WBC featherweight uh, champion. Yep. And um, this is another uh, Ring City USA uh, telecast on Thursday from Puerto Rico. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to seeing her fight. Um, I'm still waiting for the uh, Katie Teller fight yeah. with her and, and Katie Taylor. Yeah, so she's at the featherweight division, you're uh-huh. saying, right? This is where she's defending. And even in a women's boxing, featherweight is 126, 126 pounds. 126, yeah. Um. And, you know, yeah, and Katie Taylor is at 135 pounds. Yeah. Okay. I don't know, you know, when they were trying to make that fight, if that was going to be at 130 or something mm-hmm. or in there. They have to make that fight, Rick. Yeah, I think it's it, I think it's the biggest fight in uh, women's boxing. Uh, Clarissa Shields is, it might be the best uh, fighter. Yeah. She has no one to fight. No, well, I would say Shields and, uh, and McCaskill now. Yeah. Right, I mean that would be the fight. Mm-hmm. I know you were talking about that's not who you think McCaskill is going to fight next, right? Yeah. You, you were saying she's looking to, for Katie Taylor, yeah, right. Even though that's like you know that's almost ten pounds weight mm-hmm. difference, but the Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor fight—that's the fight everybody wants to see, without mm-hmm. a doubt. Um, I told you I golfed with some folks that were from um, that were Irish, that were big Katie Taylor fans. Mm-hmm. And so they were, you know, asking me. Anyways, yeah, it'll but but that's good. Good to see uh, Amanda Serrano headlining the uh, yeah. the card this weekend, or not this weekend, but this Thursday, right, yeah. out of Puerto Rico, her hometown in her backyard. Yeah, maybe you know, she'll fare uh, better. Maybe she'll yeah, maybe she'll fare better than uh, um, the Machado. Yeah, well, can't do any worse. <laughs> um, also, the uh, zone on Saturday uh, from Gibraltar. Yeah, um, the fight we've all been waiting for: <laughs> Alexander Povetkin against Dillian White. Yes, the 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 let's get things right fight. Uh-huh. You know what I mean, right? The fight that Povetkin should have never won, 
Unfortunately, he did. So let's do it again. Right? Yeah, you know it. Uh, you know, and we'll keep having this fight until uh, yes, we get the yes, the nineteen sixty eight, the Russians and the American Olympic uh, gold basketball game. Right, keep playing it over until Dillian White gets it. <laughs> Unfortunately, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to be pulling for uh, for the veteran Povatkin. Yeah, hopefully he does it again. Um, the problem with these kind of fights, by the way, is they're going to take place like at noon our time. Yeah. Right? That's the only issue with these fights, right? When they're overseas. You know? You wonder, right? Do they get enough fans, you think, where they're at to do that? Or should they be fighting at 2 in the morning so we can watch it at 8 at night? Yeah, I'm assuming they've they've got to get enough fans. Uh, You know, England (laughs) is a big, uh, you know. But but during COVID, you know. Yeah. But no, no, no! Don't get me wrong. Yeah, across the pond, those people, those people blow it up yeah. with with fights. So no, there, there's no doubt about um, it. Also on the undercard, uh, Campbell Hatton fights. This is uh, the son of uh, Ricky Hatton. Yeah, uh, his, his this will be his uh, pro debut. Yeah. So you know, interested to see how that goes. Are you saying there's only one Campbell Hatton? There's only one. There's only one yeah. Campbell Hatton. Interesting. <laughs> what? Uh, what weight? He's got to be down, pretty pretty light, right? I'm gonna say 100. Uh, junior lightweight. Okay, 130, 130, 126. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Now, is his dad training? Because Ricky Ant was training. Uh-huh. Is he training him or not? Uh, I, I, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. It, it, uh, yeah. But yeah, does that mean we're getting older when the, the, the fighters that we like coming up or, you know, they're. It does, Rick. It's, just like, it's just like baseball. Yeah. It's just like baseball. Yeah. Get used to it in my yeah. generation. Yeah. When you see the sons, <laughs> the junior, Raul Mondesi. Uh-huh. Raul Mondesi's son his is son. now playing. Yeah. Um, okay, so in the boxing news, yeah. um, Evander Holyfield is saying that uh, Mike Tyson declined a $25 million offer to fight him. Yeah. Um, and I think it was going to be in May. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, and, and, and what what Holyfield's people are saying is that when they're saying, they were talking about the actual trilogy, almost like it was a real fight. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. The details weren't in there, but that's kind of what it's implied, mm-hmm. right, Rick? That Holyfield and his people are saying it was a real fight, $25 million and everything was all set. And here's the thing. Can you believe that? Yeah. I'm not talking about the $25 <laughs> million. Forget about the $25 million. I'm not talking about Tyson refusing if that's yeah. the case. We don't know what the heck happened. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about why in the heck are we talking about Holyfield? Somebody needs to record him and then – play it back to him yeah. so that he can listen to how he sounds. Mm-hmm. Because he's, I'm sorry, Rick, and we love Holyfield, right? Yeah. The real deal. You Never a good matchup for Mike Tyson. Never. Right? Always gave him fits. And, and that could be why he's declining, you know. His, his star power diminishes if, if he looks he looks bad against Holyfield. Yeah, because Tyson's sitting there looking. And by the way, you know, to all his credit, Tyson's still got his wits about him. Yeah. You ever notice that? Mm-hmm. Tyson's still sharp. Yeah. Right? Speaks very articulate, right? Um, educated in his own way in the world and with boxing. Not the same for Holyfield. Yeah. And that's why Tyson's saying, you know what? He can sit there and beat on Holyfield like a drum. And Holyfield's not going anywhere. No, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> Holyfield <laughs> right? was probably the worst matchup for Mike Tyson. Right. You know, imaginable. You know, right. tough, durable guy. Yeah. You could keep hitting him in the head. Right. He's not going anywhere. I forget who said it this weekend about what fighter said. I don't know if it was George Foreman, right? He says, but it's not so bad when you're getting hit 
and you could feel it, it's when you're getting hit and you don't feel it anymore. Yeah. That's when you know you're in trouble. I think Holyfield from round one gets hit and doesn't feel it. Yeah. Seriously. And so I think part of it, I'm hoping, is that Mike, the humanitarian side of Mike Tyson, is saying, you know what? I can't do this to this guy, mm-hmm. right? And Tyson also knows that more than likely, yeah. To, I, and here's the thing. I think Holyfield knocks him out. He could, yeah. He will. Yeah. I, th- I think he would just simply because of what we're saying. Holyfield doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. How many kids does Holyfield have, by the way? Uh, does he have like 18? Yeah, it's, it's too many. It's quite a yeah. bit, right? <laughs> All right. Hey, Rick, here's the deal. Okay. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back with the rest of the news. I know you got a couple more pretty interesting things. Okay. So we'll be right back, folks, Pacific Coast Boxing. All right, Pacific Coast Boxing, we're back, continuing with the boxing news. But, yeah, I don't—and I, and I read—all uh, joking aside, right, I mean that. Like, from a health perspective, mm-hmm. Evandra Holyfield and Mike Tyson, by the way, right, I thought what they did with the Roy Jones fight was very effective. Uh-huh. Two-minute rounds. Uh, was it eight rounds? Eight yeah, rounds, right? Eight, eight two-minute rounds. I thought that was good. Right, and, and I felt like they were pulling their punches. You know, it wasn't like a full blown. Abs- absolutely, you know. absolutely. And these are professionals, right? Yeah. So they know how to do that. You know, again, I'm not saying it was a you know a choreographed wrestling match because you can't do that, but um, but it was well done. Yeah, right. It was well done. There, there was still that feeling of hey, these guys, these are legends, right? Mm-hmm. And it was pretty cool to see. I right, I didn't feel like it was cheap. Yeah. I felt like it was you know it, they was actually you know they were competing. But with Holyfield and Tyson, Holyfield has zero business stepping in the ring, Rick. Yeah, no. I it, mean, zero, man. He, he sounds terrible. You know, it, uh, you, you know, they, no one should even sanction him for an exhibition. No, that, that, that's a great yeah. point. How is he even sanctioned? Yeah, who, who's approving this? You know, I, man, I don't get it. But all yeah. right, Rick, what else we got to close out the boxing news? Um, so, uh, Mikey Garcia, right now he's waiting on, uh, Manny Pacquiao, yeah, you know, he's hoping for that fight. Um, even if he doesn't get the Manny Pacquiao fight, he says he'll fight in September. Yeah, or not September. Uh, sorry, during the summer. During the summer, yeah. Uh, so he says he wants to fight no matter what. No matter what. Which he should, by the uh-huh. way. So you know, I would love to see the Pacquiao fight, but you know, we we, we need to see uh, Mikey uh, yeah, be- fight again. Yeah, because I mean, Mikey is putting it out there, like mm-hmm. you said, right? That. You know, he wants to fight Pacquiao, et cetera. But you're not hearing, like we said before, you're not hearing a lot from the yeah. Pacquiao camp. Yeah, no. Right? Yeah, yeah. They've been kind of quiet. You know, who knows, you know, how much training Pacquiao's doing. Um, also, too, you know, it's been reported that uh, Mikey Garcia's walking around at around 180, 190 pounds right now. Yeah, which we would love to be at. Yeah. Right? I would love to be at about 180. Uh-huh. But not when you're, you know, at 5'6", whatever height uh-huh. he is, you know. Um I'll say this though, right? Probably not a good thing, but in eight weeks, those guys can get in pretty good shape. Yeah, you yeah. know, you know, they, they've probably done it before. Yeah, and uh, you can get down there. I mean, and again, right? You got the COVID, you got the inactivity, you got this is what happens. Yeah, interesting. Um, Ryan Garcia um, is set for uh, a world tour. Uh, yeah, Oscar is going to meet with him this week, and he plans on. Scheduling fights, you know, kind of all around the world, and yeah. kind of a lead up 
to a world title shot. So a world tour, world tour, you're saying fighting yeah. around the world. Fighting, yeah. And so fighting against who exactly? I mean, De La Hoya is just saying yeah, well, they're, I guess we're going to introduce them to the world? Yeah. You know, I guess they're going to present them with the with the, the plan this week. Um, yeah. So we, we should hear something, you know, probably towards the end of the week of, yeah. you know, who who's in the plans? Yeah, where are the plans going to take place? Yeah, and um, you know we'll, we'll go from there. You know what's interesting, right? Is um, you know a lot of talk afterwards, also, right? Mm-hmm. You know we're talking about the Virgil Ortiz Jr. fight, and remember, right, that Oscar De La Hoya had said that Virgil Ortiz Jr. right is what did he say? Is the best fighter in this camp, or yeah. is the some like some to that extent, uh-huh. right? And so you know Ryan Garcia you know, gets off the canvas and then knocks out, you know, Campbell, Luke Campbell in dramatic fashion, mm-hmm. right? Um, Virgil Ortiz wins this fight, but I wouldn't say in dramatic fashion, right? No. Got touched up, like yeah. we talked about earlier, kind of an ugly win. Yeah. And so are people now saying, Rick, right, is Ryan Garcia truly the best fighter in Oscar De La Hoya's yeah. stable, right? Uh, some people might be saying that. I'm not saying that yet. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I still, uh, you know, Virgil Ortiz, you know, almost almost like we forgot Ryan Garcia got knocked knocked down in that fight. Right. You know, right. Virgil Ortiz, you know, he, he took some punishment, but, uh, yeah. you know, there were a couple times where maybe he looked a little dazed, but he wasn't really hurt in that fight. Right. But here's the thing, right? But how do you define when you say, you know, who's the best fighter? Yeah. Remember, right? Because if I'm a promoter, Mm-hmm. My definition of best is the one who's able to is my cash cow. Yeah, who's able to best make me money? Mm-hmm. That's who's the best fighter, Rick. Okay, and the fact is, if by that definition, it's Ryan Garcia, yeah. all the way. Okay, more people are willing to watch Ryan Garcia, see Ryan Garcia, interact with Ryan Garcia than they are with Virgil Ortiz Jr. No disrespect. Now, from a pure boxing skill set mm-hmm. perspective, it's Virgil Ortiz Jr. by a landslide. Yeah, right. I mean, there's no doubt about it, okay? But that's not what sells. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, De La Hoya now, maybe, you know, this is part of it, right? Because here's the thing. Can he do a world tour with Virgil Ortiz Jr.? No, and, probably and, not and, yet. No. no, and garner that same type of publicity? Yeah. It's not going to happen, right? No. But Ryan Garcia, yes. I mean, how many followers does Virgil Ortiz have versus Ryan Garcia on, on Instagram? Eight and a half million to what? You know, yeah. I'm going to venture to say Virgil Ortiz probably doesn't even have a million. Yeah, you have to look that up. But I bet bet he, I bet he doesn't even have a million. So, you know that that it's almost like, you know, when people, and that's why, by the way, if I'm Ryan Garcia, that's why I'm offended when he said, "Well, Virgil Ortiz is my best fighter," and Ryan's going to say, "Are you sure about that?" Because I'm the guy that's going to get you right. I'm going to make you even more rich than you already are. Yeah, uh, and he has 135,000 followers. What did I tell you? Not even a million, not even close to 135,000. Think about that, right? To eight and a half million. There's your answer as far as who's the best fighter in De La Hoya's stable. Go ahead, Rick. Um, Oscar, too. You know, he was talking about he's he's still training, Um, you know, still planning on his his comeback. Um, He was sparring last week, and... He said he reminded himself about how good he really was. <laughs> Doesn't that happen to all of us, Rick? 
Yeah. Right? Doesn't yeah. that happen to all of us? I mean, I don't you I remind myself every single day yeah. about how great I was. Right. Uh-huh. And by the way, we get greater with age, right? Uh-huh. Every Definitely. single day I remember how it was even better than I thought I was. Interesting. Either way, right, we have already talked about this ad nauseum. No way De La Hoya fights any legitimate fighter. If he does, he gets knocked out and, and it ends and it ends <laughs> ugly. Not gonna happen unless he fights his friend Mario Lopez. Yeah. Not gonna happen. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. Um Chavez Jr. Yeah. Uh, is gonna fight Anderson Silva. Yeah. You know, um on the uh on his dad's uh, undercard. That's an interesting one, yeah. right? I mean, doesn't that one kind of belong with the Antonio Tarver fighting? Uh, uh, Frank Mir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other guy fighting, uh, who's the guy, Luke Paul or? Uh, Jake Paul. Jake Paul, yeah. I don't Logan keep up with Paul, those names. Yeah. yeah. I mean, doesn't that fit under one of those type of cards? Yeah. You know, the the speculation was always uh, Anderson yeah. Silva was going to fight uh, Roy Jones. Yeah, you I know, remember kind that. Of, uh, Roy Jones was, you know, at one point the best boxer around. Yeah. Anderson Silva was at one point. The best MMA fighter right, around, right? And, uh, Both elite in their fields. Yeah. So Anderson Silva felt, you know, he's, he's a pretty good boxer, um, but uh, I think he's recently been released from UFC. So, right. um, you know, this is probably another way to, you know, cash in. Father Time. I mean, yeah. so man, that'll be interesting, huh? Yeah. That'll be interesting. Um, I think it's Jamal Charlo. Yeah. Uh, the the one that fights at one sixty the one sixty Jamal uh, he said yeah. he'd be willing to fight uh, Benavides and he wants to uh, shut him up yeah um, you know that fight you know kind of makes sense you know yeah. it uh, everybody's waiting for they want a Canelo fight right and if you know those two fight you know I think I think the winner's got to go to the front of the line yeah you, know? you yeah you would think and good by the way this is what they're saying now here's the good news they're both PBC fighters yeah. So it's very possible, right? Mm-hmm. It's very doable. You wonder how Al Heyman manages that, right? Yeah. And where do they fight at? Because obviously David Benavides is a big kid. He fights at 168. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jermall Charlo's at 160. So is that a catch weight or does Jermall move up to 168? Yeah. And that could be the deal, right? Where he moves to 168, but he doesn't put his WBC version of the 160-pound yeah. championship on the line. Yeah, you could see gonna, that, right? It's going to be have to have to be at one sixty eight because Benavides has a tough time even making. Yeah, that. he's not going to make one sixty, yeah. but I mean, they could fight at a catch weight of one sixty four yeah. or something. I think more than likely it's at one hundred and sixty eight mm-hmm. or some catch weight one sixty five, whatever it is. But his championship's not on the line. Yeah, Heyman and people see they'll find a way to say, hey, you know, it's it's not at one hundred and sixty. That way, Charlo keeps his title. Mm-hmm. But I like that fight. I yeah. like that fight a lot. And no, by yeah. the way, uh, just. Right now, if you were to ask me, gut reaction, I'll take Charlo. Yeah, you know, it, it could be. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he he carries that weight, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it'd be a great uh, great fight to see. I like it. I like that they're yeah. even talking about it, Rick. I like the fact that they're even, um, you know, that that it's something that's that that that's palatable to 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 realize. Mm-hmm. Because these are the kind of guys that should be fighting. It shouldn't be everybody trying to fight Canelo. Yeah. It's no different. Again, I hate to always talk about the four kings, but the fifth king in a lot of cases was Wilfredo Benitez. They all fought each other, mm-hmm. right? They weren't waiting for the one guy, right? They wanted to prove themselves to see who's the best against any one of them. So they should be doing that. Yeah. And Canelo has his schedule. He's got his card filled out for the next year. You're yeah. going to have to wait till 2022. 
to to fight him. So you may as well establish, you're right, jockey in in line right now. Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah. Um, And definitely a doable fight, you know, PBC fighters. Um, Matt Truman has just announced a card for uh, May 1st. Yeah. Uh, Derek Chisora, he's going to fight uh, Joseph Parker. Okay. You know, and you know, of course, you know, no word on whether or not that uh, WBO yeah uh, Oriental title will yeah, be that's on the big. line. Yeah, that's big. Um, also on the card, uh, Katie Taylor. Yeah, uh, she'll defend her titles against Natasha Jonas. Yes. And then um, Chris Eubank is on this card, as well as uh, Dimitri Bivol. Yeah, that's actually a good card. Yeah. That's a really good card. May first. May 1st. Yeah, that's actually a really good card. Looking forward to that one. Yeah. And uh, that's all I have for the news. Hey, your um, your luck of the week came in, by the way. Yeah. Right? It was uh, Peter BF. Yeah, Peter yeah. BF. Yeah, your luck of the week came in, so that was good. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I, Still I, I, didn't fire. Really, I didn't really give one out for this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, I'll go ahead and take uh, Amanda Serrano. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. Why not? Why yeah. not, Rick? No one's even going to blame me for that, you yeah. know? Yeah, even you have to take kind of a tune-up, a stay-busy fight. Uh-huh. Lexus Arguello, all the great did, all the great ones did it, Rick. Yeah. Yeah, you took a fight, just a stay-busy <laughs> fight. No one's going to blame you. All right, folks, we'll be right back. I know we still got the stat of the week, and then we're going to wrap this up. We'll be right back. All right, folks, Pacific Coast Boxing, stat of the week. I know everyone hangs out with us all the way to the very end because this is the good stuff, Rick. Uh-huh. This is the stuff you get to talk about to your friends and pull it out of your back pocket. Uh, did you know, right? Yeah. I mean, so this is big. What do you got, Rick? Uh, I'm going to stick with uh, Amanda Serrano. You know, she's the lock of the week, so we might as well right make now. her the uh, Thursday night fight. The stat of the week. Yep. Um, she holds the Guinness uh Book of World Records uh, for the most boxing world championships yeah. held in different weight classes by a female. Okay. She held nine major world titles across seven different weight classes. Wow. And that was, what were the weight classes, um, Rick? Super flyweight, bantamweight, yeah. super bantamweight, yeah. featherweight, super featherweight, lightweight, and light welterweight. Wow. So in the women's arena, uh-huh. Rick, that is, that's from 115 to 140 pounds yeah. is is what that is, man. That's crazy, huh? Yeah, and she's kind of a, a triple threat. She's a professional yeah. boxer. Yeah. She's uh, had a couple MMA fights and uh, has been a professional wrestler. No, no kidding. Yeah. A professional wrestler yeah. as well? No, not WWE. No, right? not WWE, but uh, you mean like a professional, like real? Like, do they have professional, like college type wrestling? Kind of like Roman Greco? Professional wrestling? Yeah. You know, I think um not see. Randy Macho Man Savage. You're no, not talking like that, about yeah. Razor Ramon. Yeah. Oh, you talking about that? I'm talking about that. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. She had a professional wrestling career. Okay, just yeah. not with the WWE. Yeah, not with okay. the WWE. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were talking about, you know, something yeah. else. Like I didn't know they did that, you yeah. know? I gotcha. I gotcha. That's pretty interesting. So that's what one, two, three, four, so seven divisions. Manny yeah. Pacquiao holds the, I think, record for he's got eight, eight yeah. divid, right? That's more than anybody, period, right? Mm-hmm. But she held, here's the key though, she held nine different championships, right? I don't know if Manny Pacquiao held more than that at the time. Yeah. Or if he just had, you know, one of the belts in each division, right? Mm-hmm. Hard to say. 
be that as it may, nine championships in uh, seven different weight divisions is is pretty dang yeah. impressive for Amanda Serrano. Looking forward to seeing her, by the way, on Thursday. I love the Thursday night fight format, by the way, Rick. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the old school USA fights on Tuesday night with um, one of the Albert brothers with Sean O'Grady, who I named my son after, Sean. So I like it. I like the middle of the week fights. And again, and they're entertaining. We had a good fight with Machado, who got knocked out. Yeah. And then the week before, we had the, uh, was it the Adams guy? Yeah. That beat Brandon that, Adams. Yeah. Brandon, that beat the Russian kid, right? So like the main events and even the co-main events, like we're getting good competitive mm-hmm. fights during the week, right? Yeah. And I kind of miss those those ESPN fights that they were having, you know, at the <sighs> beginning those of were, COVID. Those were the best. Yeah. Those were the best. Yeah. I got I, I to hand it to top rank at the MGM, right at the bubble. Mm-hmm. Those were the best. Well, the, the second, uh, that that's when uh, Clay Collard made it, really, yeah. his name. And then uh, Adam Blue Nose Lopez, second card. Against uh, Joey uh, the King Korea, right? Mm-hmm. That that's when that happened. All right, Rick. That wraps up round number eight of an epic podcast. Don't forget, folks. By the way, the website is right around the corner, Rick. Yeah, right around the corner. The website. Looking forward to it. Yeah, 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 man. It's been been long coming. Can't wait. All right, folks. Protect yourself at all times, Rick. I'll talk to you next week. All right. See you next week.